the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question, veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt. You can email me questions also at host at talklawradio.com. We're here live today, Saturday, April the 16th, 2022, on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And we're going to talk about trust funding today. How exciting is that? Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses, and old businesses that might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in district court, county court, or probate court. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only, and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information you learn today should be only relied upon when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us of our sins, for making mistakes, for doing the wrong thing, or failing to do your will. Please help me give good information to the listeners today about funding a trust. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. And today, we're going to be talking about trust funding. Something as easy and simple as funding a trust is also easily put off because of procrastination. In this episode of Talk Law Radio, I will share my insights about funding a trust. Following through with this essential process will save you money in the long run and help ensure a seamless transition in case of incapacity or death. So, again, I'm Todd Marquardt, and we're on KLUP Radio 930 AM. The big benefit of doing all this is that You're changing assets from your name to the name of a trust, and that's going to help you potentially bypass the probate process. Probate is a specialized court in large counties in Texas. Uh, It's also the process by which you transfer assets from a deceased person to the living beneficiaries. So generally... If you, if you have set up a trust, you need to make sure that that trust owns the assets. A trust is kind of like a, an empty bucket 
when you sign the trust document, the document has all the terms of the trust, the provisions that the trustee is going to follow, but the trustee can only manage what the trust owns. So those assets have to be owned by the trust. And you can show ownership by the title. Real estate has title, motor vehicles have title, bank accounts have title. Uh, Your personal stuff at home, like your furniture and your jewelry, may not have a paper title. You have to show that you own it uh, some other way. Um, Back in law school, we learned about how possession is nine-tenths of the law. Well, it's it's nine-tenths because uh, ownership has various rights in the United States to property, Uh, the right to sell property, the right to lease or rent it out, uh, the right to um, other things. So we'll talk about that another time. So we're talking about funding a trust and how, how to exactly do that. And the, the whole goal of funding the trust is that all of the assets that are inside the trust at the time of incapacity or death can be managed by a trustee at the conference table instead of at the courthouse. So it, we're talking about a trust, a living trust, a revocable trust, an inter vivos trust. Those all mean uh, basically the same things. And the reason being you want your assets in a trust is so that you don't have to go in front of a judge and have uh, your assets um, aired out in public in the probate process. So one way of having the trust control those assets is through a title change. Another way to do it would be to for the trust to be the beneficiary of certain assets, and we'll talk about those differences. So one way of showing financial institutions and bankers and real estate title companies the details of your trust is to have a certification of trust, also known as an affidavit of trust or certificate of trust. It's a shorthand version of the trust. It doesn't say who the beneficiaries are or what they're going to get or what all of the assets are. It just says uh, what the name of the trust is, when it was created, who created it, what kind of trust it is exactly, and what the tax identification number is. So whenever you open an account or whenever you sell property, there are institutions and organizations that need to know whether it's going to be subject to tax. And so every entity, every individual has a tax number. Well, for, for people we, that are U.S. citizens, we have a Social Security number. And that's how the government keeps track of us for tax purposes. Well, when you create a new trust, sometimes, not in this circumstance, but other times, it will have a unique tax ID. But this kind of trust is defined by the IRS as a grantor trust, which is any trust over which the grantor or other owner retains the power to control or direct the trust's income or assets. So the IRS is saying that you have so much control over the trust and the trust assets that they're going to consider the the assets to be yours for tax purposes, and so you're going to use your Social Security number as the tax ID for a revocable living inter vivos trust. I keep saying inter vivos because Some institutions refer to it as that. It's Latin for during life. So in plain English, we would just say living trust. We also describe it as a revocable trust because you can revoke it, meaning you can terminate it. You can destroy the trust, and then all of the assets would be back in your name. 
So the tax regulation, the Treasury regulation, section 301.6109-1A2 is the regulation that says that you can use your Social Security number as the tax ID for this kind of trust. If you have another kind of trust, well then a different rule might apply. So talk to your lawyer about that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about all the different types of assets that people typically have that need to be transferred, change of ownership into the trust. Stay tuned. estate questions have profound impacts on your business or estate. Changes of ownership to your real estate could impact your business or your legacy to your children and grandchildren. It may be less expensive to prevent a mistake than to correct one. If you have real estate questions, it's a good idea to contact an attorney who focuses on last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Marquardt Law Firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're talking about funding a trust, trust funding. Most directly, this uh, show applies to revocable living intervivos trusts as opposed to trusts that might be irrevocable, not amendable. So uh, the trust funding process is pretty similar, but there are some differences Um, when it comes to finding a trust that's irrevocable as opposed to one that is revocable. Who's responsible for funding the trust? You are. Now, certain people can help you with that, including your attorney, if that's part of the scope of service. But ultimately, you're responsible for making sure that the assets are titled correctly. And I try and talk about it a lot and I'm going to ask my clients to listen to this podcast to help them understand how important it is to fund their trust properly because when you set up the trust, it's like an empty bucket. You have to put assets inside the bucket by transferring title so that the trustee has authority to manage those assets when the grantor or settlor or trust maker is incapacitated or dies. So ultimately, you're responsible. Your attorney might help with that. Um, You just need to ask whether that's included in the scope of service. You can transfer real estate. You can transfer bank accounts. You can transfer investment accounts. can transfer life insurance can transfer business interests, and we're going to talk about all of these things specifically. It's not necessarily a difficult process, but it can be time-consuming. And so some people will want help with that because they have a day job. (laughs) They don't want to spend all of their free time um, writing letters to financial institutions or, or even going in and trying to get everything set up correctly. Okay, now there have been some circumstances when a a grantor or his co-trustee needs to do this in an emergency. If somebody's sick or they have a terminal illness or condition, it might be an emergency, and you really need to focus on getting it done because... There are certain policies and procedures that financial institutions have where they say, even if you send everything in to us, we're still not going to acknowledge that the transfer has been completed until it's fully processed. So just imagine um, you have sent in the certification of trust and with a letter that says, I'd like for this account to be owned by my living trust. 
Well, most financial institutions have their own forms that need to be filled out and signed in order for the transfer to take effect. And some of these processes by the national banks are uh, too complicated for their own good. Um, I dealt with a, a certain large bank that happens to be in America <laughs> that was extremely difficult to work with. Uh, I had to send the paperwork uh, over and over and over again. The same stuff uh, just goes to different departments and sits on the desk of different people. And, you know, it just takes time to push that through. Sometimes uh, the financial institutions have more bureaucracy than the federal government. So you, you want to make sure that, you know, you're following through with that. You can't just send in the certification of trust and hope for the best. So you want to make sure and follow through. I'll say that again. Okay, let's talk about cash accounts. This would be checking, savings, CDs, money markets uh, that are easy to set up. Now, you're probably thinking, I don't want to go through all of this. Well, if you do, it'll make things easier for your loved ones, your beneficiaries, and those who are going to wrap up your affairs, pay your bills, and distribute your assets to the living beneficiaries. Well, what if I don't want to set up new accounts? What if I don't want to change things? Well, you're in luck because a lot of the changes that need to be made for funding a living revocable inter vivos trust don't have to affect your automatic deposits and your automatic um, payments, your auto pay for, for bills that you have set up to be automatically paid. Because you can change the title on, on your account from your name to the name of the living revocable inter vivos trust without having to change the account number because, like I said, it's all based on your Social Security number and so the bank doesn't really have to change the account. Now, all banks are different. They all have their own processes and procedures so if you stumble upon a bank that is has policies contrary to what I'm saying, well, you either play by their rules or you take your money and run and go to a different institution that's easier to work with. I have my favorites, uh, but I only talk about that with my clients. <laughs> I'm not going to give any free advertising today. So you... When you go to a bank or when you're dealing with a financial institution, they have signature cards. At least that's what they used to call the ownership card back in the olden days because it looked like a little card. Nowadays, I call them account agreements because there's more uh, legalese that they have to put in there. There's more fine print, and so it's a full sheet of paper, and that's what the the agreement that you have with the bank, the terms and conditions of the account. Well, when you want to change the name on your checking account from your name to the name of the trust, you're going to sign a new one of these. And so you need your certificate of trust and you need to fill this out and sign it and turn it into the bank. And they have to accept it and process it and like I was saying before, sometimes that takes a little bit of time for them to do their back office stuff. A lot of people ask me, do I have to change my checks? Now, I don't know <laughs> if you're still writing paper checks. I like to write paper checks because I don't want to pay anybody automatically because they might charge me for something that I didn't want. And then I'll have to go back and complain about it rather than trying to figure out uh, ahead of time. 
So if you are still writing paper checks, you do not have to put your trust on the check. Now talk to your banker about this because, again, they're going to have their own processes and procedures, but you can have your own name instead of the name of your trust. And the reason that people uh, worry about this is because they don't want pe- the vendors and suppliers and uh, businesses that they're paying money to to think that they're the Rockefellers or the Kennedys, uh, that they have so much money that they have to have it in a trust. Well, this is a different kind of trust that works for people in the middle class too. Thousandaires as well as millionaires. And so you can have your name on the check instead of the name of the trust, even though the account is going to be owned by your trust. I even had one client that just had their initials, you know, to pre- further preserve their privacy. So you just have to work at, work those things out with your banker. And when you go to the bank and you bring your trust book in and show them what you're trying to accomplish, sometimes the banker gets confused. Sometimes they will demand that you get a tax identification number or EIN, which stands for Employer Identification Number. Some trusts, not this kind, but other kinds of trusts, do need that. And so some bankers get confused about what kind of trust you have and and the other kind. Well, you might have to ask for a supervisor. Can I talk to somebody else? Seems like my attorney told me that this should be easier to do, that I don't need a tax ID number. Can I talk to your supervisor? My theory is that as soon as a banker figures out how to help somebody fund their trust, they get promoted. And so then the bank hires some new employee to fill that banker role of opening accounts. And so a lot of times we're always dealing with somebody that's trying to figure that out. Okay, next, investment accounts or brokerage accounts. This is where you have your stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. You should be able to have your investment account uh, owned by your trust as well. Now, some of the investment companies will have their forms online. Um, But if you have a personal relationship with an investment advisor, I always find it easier just to work directly with that person. Um, I had a meeting with a client uh, maybe a month ago at the financial advisor's office just so I could help answer questions about what the title was supposed to be for certain assets. So it could it can be easier uh, if you're working with a person um, because then you don't have to worry about whether the form you filled out got directed to the correct office or the correct person's desk. Like I said, some of these national organizations have more bureaucracy than the federal government. They're hard to work with. And so you might need your attorney or at least your attorney's office staff to help grease the wheels and get things moving more quickly. Motor vehicles have a title that that needs to be transferred. Um, So you can transfer the title from yourself to your trust even if you still owe on the promissory note, the, the loan, the motor vehicle loan. Um, it's easy to do. The, you can get the forms online from Texas uh, Department of Motor Vehicles, or you can get them at the tax office. Uh, if you're new to this, I would say it's probably not easy to fill out unless you fill out forms for a living, um, but it can be done. And the advantage of having all of this done is that you don't have to go through the probate process. Uh, A lot of people that I see calling and coming in to see me after their loved one passes away, uh, we talk about the trust that they have, and then they say, well, what about the the car? And I say, well, 
do you have the title? We have to look at the title. You can find out what the ownership is by looking at the registration receipt as well. And then if it's in the trust, then you don't need to go through the probate process. If it's not in the trust, people get pretty upset when just an asset worth uh, several thousand dollars is causing them to go through a, a court process that also costs several thousand dollars. So the best practice is to make sure that your trust owns everything except for, wait for it, we're going to take a break, we'll come right back, I'll tell you what you should leave outside of the trust. Stay tuned. Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're here on 9:30 a.m. The Answer KLUP. If you have a question about funding a trust, you can post a comment on the live Facebook video going right now, or you can call the radio station at 210-308-8867. Okay, so we're talking about trust funding and something as easy and simple as funding a trust is also easily put off because of procrastination. In this episode, we're talking about insight into funding the trust, and following through is important. So this is what will help make sure that your successor trustee has authority to take care of things upon your incapacity or death. Before the break, I was talking about some assets that you might want to intentionally leave outside of your living revocable intervivos trust, namely qualified retirement accounts like 401ks and IRAs. Why is that? Well, because when you make a change of ownership on these types of accounts, the IRS calls that a taxable event. And we don't want, usually, for the grantor, settlor, trust maker to pay all of the tax on these qualified accounts all at the same time. And so what you can do instead is designate your the trustee of your living revocable intervivos trust to be the beneficiary upon death. So you need to look for a beneficiary change form. Now, there probably are some circumstances when we would want to make an ownership change, but you want to talk to your attorney about that specific circumstance and your individual case because people are not all the same. We're all different. God made us different. And we don't want everybody paying tax (laughs) unnecessarily, which uh, reminds me that Uh, April the 15th was yesterday, and usually that's the deadline for paying federal taxes. Um, But this year, there is a change. Uh, I'll talk to you a little bit about that in our last segment. Um, So we're talking about how to make sure that your trust owns your retirement account, and you probably also want to talk about you know, whether you want to do that at all. But the living revocable intervivos trust works just like a will. It'll say who gets your assets after you pass away. Sometimes we want our beneficiaries to receive their share of the inheritance in a trust for them because we want the the trust to have specific provisions, terms, conditions, stipulations uh, about how that trust is to be used. And in order for the trust, in order for that person's trust 
to have those conditions apply to their inheritance. It has to flow through your trust as well. And so that would be the reason for making sure that your retirement account names your trust as the beneficiary. So there's trade-offs, like I said, that you definitely want to talk about. Another asset that can be owned by your trust is a 529 college plan. That's that's a section in the Internal Revenue Code that talks about this, uh, the tax advantages of this type of college plan. But you also want to make sure that if if you're going to transfer uh, an account like that to your trust, that your trust contains provisions for dealing with that type of account. So you don't want to just blanketly do all of this transferring without knowing what your trust entails. Another big one that I'm going to talk about a lot right now is life insurance. Now there's all different kinds of life insurance, and so you definitely want to talk about this with your attorney and with the financial advisor that uh, sold you the life insurance policy. We want to work hand in glove together to make sure that the Life insurance is going to do what you wanted it to do. So for certain policies, you can transfer the title. And what's the benefit of doing that? So that the trustee, your successor trustee, has authority to make changes to the policy. Some policies, permanent policies, whole life policies, universal life policies, will have cash value that you can withdraw. Well, you want your trustee to have that same authority that you would, right? Other policies, like term policies, um, are only like renting insurance. So it has a specified time period that it's good for, and then it lapses and it goes away. These policies, don't re- you don't really need to change the ownership on Um, a lot of times because it's just going to go away. But there are some term policies where you have an election to convert it to whole life, permanent. So in that case, you would want your trustee to be able to do that for you if you were incapacitated because of illness or injury. And then making that change, of course, is a financial decision that somebody's got to do it. So, again, one of the big reasons for getting the life insurance to go through your living trust is so that the beneficiaries that are going to receive their share in a separate trust of their own are going to be governed by the terms of their trust. So, generally, should designate the living revocable inter vivos trust as the beneficiary or own or change the ownership so that the policy proceeds are governed by the terms of the revocable living trust. Please, please, please talk to somebody sometime about whether you need life insurance. Uh, I had a friend that was tragically killed in an automobile accident, and I don't think he had any life insurance or certainly didn't have enough. And so now I make it a practice to always harp on having life insurance unless you have money in the bank already to satisfy all of your debts and creditors. Because uh, at the time of death, when, when your family loses you, they're going to be suffering sorrow and grief. And you don't want them to have to worry about money at that point because that just compounds the sorrow and the grief by adding financial stress. And so think about them. Getting your affairs in order by having a will and or a trust makes things easier for them. Certainly it's easier for you to do nothing, but it's going to make things better for them by getting your affairs in order and by having money at the end to pay the bills and 
maybe to do some nice things for them, to make things easier for them in paying for education or setting up a business or buying a house. That's what we call a legacy, which we'll talk about after the break. So we have some new radio things going on with the legacy segment. You'll want to stay tuned for that. Another thing that you can transfer change ownership on to put into your trust is a promissory note. Let's say you lent money to an adult child or you lent money um, through an owner-financed home real estate that you sold to a third party. These are promissory notes that can be assigned to the trust so that the trustee has authority to deal with the borrower. So mortgages, notes, other receivables, you can transfer into your trust as well. Businesses. If you own a business, it's like owning stock. You can transfer stock into the trust. Maybe. So when it's a, when it's a small business, maybe you just own part of the business. You, you own part of the membership. You own part of the partnership. Well, then you have to read the partnership agreement or the LLC agreement or the corporate bylaws to find out if there's any restrictions on transferring those shares. So you definitely want your lawyer to help you figure that out before you transfer because you you might be breaking the rules of that business. But if it's allowed, then it's, it's a way for bypassing probate for those business interests so that your trustee can deal with the the business interest instead of the the probate court. We're going to take another break. We'll be talking about legacy, so stay tuned. estate questions have profound impacts on your business or estate. Changes of ownership to your real estate could impact your business or your legacy to your children and grandchildren. It may be less expensive to prevent a mistake than to correct one. If you have real estate questions, it's a good idea to contact an attorney who focuses on last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Marquardt Law Firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. Before the break, we were talking about specific assets that you can transfer into a revocable living intervivos trust. And um, I'm a little bit behind on the topics I wanted to address, so we're going to talk about real estate before we talk about legacy. So the way that you transfer title for real estate is through a deed, And so you definitely want to have an attorney do that because there's different kinds of deeds and uh, they probably want to look up the the deed that transferred title to you to find out, you know, who really owns the property. So just remember that real estate needs to be transferred uh, by deed. I have um, a client that buys a lot of property. And every time he buys a new property, he calls me and says, what do I need to do here? And I work with the title company in making sure that the property that he's purchasing is purchased in the name of his trust. I have uh, an attorney in the office um, that, that had a client that recently refinanced, and he was able to refinance uh, easily 
um, by just sharing that certificate of trust with the, the mortgage lender and didn't have to do anything out of the ordinary. But I did have a client um, sometime last year. The mortgage company told her that she had to deed the property out of her trust so that she could refinance. Well, that's not a legal requirement. That's just um, somebody at the at the mortgage institution that doesn't want to deal with her trust. So what she should have done is said, well, I don't know about that. Let me call my lawyer and we'll see what really needs to be done. Because the problem is that after she refinanced, you know, she never told me, uh, her husband died. And so the, the property was outside of the trust, and so she's going to have to go through probate to transfer title from him to her. Just because they're married doesn't make it an automatic transfer because he could have left his half of the house to anybody he wanted to. Now the surviving spouse gets to keep their half already, but it's not automatic that they get to keep all of it because he could have given his half to whoever he wanted to. Now don't worry about the due on sale clause. There's a the Garn St. Germain Depository Institutions Act of 1982 exempted uh, certain transfers into an inter vivos trust uh, without triggering the due on sale clause. I've talked about that before on the show, but just wanted to mention it again. Okay, so you know that this show is here to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. This is the final segment of the show, and so you know what time it is. And now, it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's your legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. Here we go. So, estate planning is a gift of love. The, you're going to hire an attorney, you're going to do all of these things, and it's going to cost you some time and money. Well, the money that you spend is a gift to those who are going to be dealing with your affairs after you become incapacitated or after you pass away. This is an opportunity for you to make it easy for them. This could be part of your legacy that dad or granddad or mom or grandmom made things easy for us. Everything was in order. On the flip side of that, if things are not in order, your legacy might be, boy, he or she really created a a disaster for us by not doing anything and only caused us frustration and chaos. And, of course, it's going to cost a lot to figure things out and wrap up the affairs if nothing was done. A lot of people are especially frustrated by not knowing where the assets are or what was supposed to happen. That's what the law calls intestacy, is if you have no will, no trust, no way of getting things done. Well, the court can still appoint an administrator to get things done, and so you're in the court process. You're having to deal with a lawsuit you know, that you file against the estate so that somebody can be appointed the administrator. And then you're going to have to prove who the relatives are. Even if everybody knows who the children and and spouse are, you still have to prove it in court with evidence. Okay, I was talking about taxes. And the reason that you don't have to pay on April 15th this year Instead, we pay on April 18th is because of Emancipation Day in the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C. So you get the weekend to work on your 1040. Uh, Hopefully, you already had it prepared ahead of time. And the Bible says that we should pay our taxes. Remember, it it says in, in Matthew 22, 
Mark 12 and Luke 20, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. So that's a a biblical uh, requirement that we pay our taxes. There's a a gentleman at a a charitable organization called Legacy Deo uh, named Jerry Kieschnick. He's the CEO. He came up with a list of different taxes. Um, You may be familiar with some of these. You might not be subject to others. Um, The accounts receivable tax, the building permit tax, commercial driver's license tax, cigarette tax, corporate income tax, dog license tax, excise tax, federal income tax, federal unemployment tax, fishing license tax, food license tax, fuel permit tax, gasoline tax, gross receipts tax, hunting license tax, inheritance tax, inventory tax, IRS interest charges and penalties, tax on top of tax, liquor tax, luxury tax, marriage license tax, Medicare tax, personal property tax, property tax, real estate tax, service charge tax, social security tax, road usage tax, recreational vehicle tax, sales tax, school tax, state income tax, which, thank God, we live in Texas, we don't have that, state unemployment tax, telephone federal excise tax, telephone federal universal service fee tax, telephone federal state and local surcharge tax, telephone minimum usage surcharge tax, telephone reoccurring and non-recurring charges tax, telephone state and local tax, telephone usage charge tax, utility tax, vehicle license registration tax, vehicle sales tax, watercraft registration tax, well permit tax, and workers' compensation tax. So here's a a funny way that uh, Mr. Kieschnick put it. Taxes land, taxes bed, tax the table at which he's fed. Taxes tractor, taxes mule, teach him taxes are the rule. Taxes work, taxes pay, he works for peanuts anyway. Taxes cow, taxes goat, taxes pants, taxes coat. Taxes ties, taxes shirt, taxes work, taxes dirt. Taxes tobacco, taxes drink, tax him if he tries to think. Taxes cigars, taxes beers, if he cries, taxes tears. Taxes horse, taxes grass, taxes car, taxes gas. Tax all he has and let him know that you're not done till he has no dough. When he screams, then tax him more. Tax him till he's good and sore. Tax his coffin, tax his grave, tax the sod in which he's laid. Put these word upon his tomb. Taxes drove me to my doom. When he's done, when he's gone, do not relax. It's time to apply inheritance tax. So you want to think about all of those taxes for yourself, but also for your beneficiaries after you're gone. Those are other things that you should talk to your lawyer about. Part of my legacy is especially going to be to my wife and kids that my affairs were in order when I passed away. Um, But we also have to think about incapacity. So... The statistics tell us that there's a good chance that before we pass away, we're going to be incapacitated, meaning substantially unable to make decisions for ourselves regarding our finances and our health care. And so there's a lot of planning that we need to do to make sure that somebody is going to have authority to make decisions on our behalf. Having a living revocable inter vivos trust might be part of that. Also would be power of attorney, medical power of attorney, directive to physicians, those types of things. Before we end the show, uh, I want to close in prayer. Dear God, thank you for the opportunity to spread your word on the radio. Thank you for sending Jesus to be born, to live, to teach, to heal, to suffer, die, and 
rise again to pay for the sins of the world. Tomorrow's Easter. uh, Help us to get to church to worship you for your mercy and grace for sending Jesus to save us from our sins. Our hope and assurance is in Jesus. Grant us strength and courage until Jesus comes again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, next week I'm going to have Lisa Ayers, who is Vice President of Development of the Alzheimer's Association, the San Antonio and South Texas chapter. There's a lot going on with uh, this chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, and so she'll talk about what's going on with them. I'll probably talk about the laws that affect people's families who are suffering from Alzheimer's. So just remember, I'm Todd Marquardt, and I'll talk to you later about the law on KLUP Radio 930 AM The Answer. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.